Hey, it's Brian, back with another Burr Month's bonus episode for those of us who get an early start on the Christmas season. But then again, maybe you're listening to this episode during the Christmas season. That's the magic of podcasts. We're here whenever you're ready. Either way, I'm happy to have you, and I hope you're happy, healthy, and feeling the Christmas spirit. Today, we're returning to an old crowd favorite, a game of Christmas trivia in the form of Two Truths and a Lie. That's where the trivia questions are posed as multiple-choice questions where there's only one incorrect answer. And today's game has a few things about it that have me especially excited. In the first place, I'm teaming up with two of my favorite Christmas podcasters, Todd Killian from Christmas Clatter and Jerry Davila from Totally Rad Christmas. In the second place, the theme of this game is Christmas in the 80s. And finally, this game has a little twist. The game is played in three rounds, but you only hear one of those rounds here on Christmas Past. So here's how it all works. You're about to hear round one of the game. All of the questions are about Christmas from 1980 to 1983. I will be the quiz master for this round, testing Todd and Jerry's Christmas spirit and knowledge of the best decade ever. For every question they get correct, they earn a point. No points are deducted for incorrect answers. And if I'm able to stump them both, I earn a point. At the end of this episode, I'll send you over to Christmas Clatter for round two, where Todd will play Quizmaster with questions about Christmas of 1984 to 1986. And finally, for round three, you'll head over to Totally Rad Christmas, where Jerry quizzes Todd and me about Christmas of 1987 to 89. You'll be taken through the entire decade while getting to sample the styles of three different Christmas podcasts, and we hope also have a lot of fun and maybe learn a tidbit or two. It'll be like a little adventure. Now, it doesn't really matter what order you listen to the episodes in. Obviously, the point tallies begin here in round one, but there are no other references that depend on the other episodes to make sense. So, if you're ready, put on your thinking cap and get ready to match wits with me, Todd, and Jerry. I'll be back at the end to wrap up and say goodbye, but for now, here comes round one of Christmas Trivia, Two Truths and a Lie, 80s edition. All right, Todd and Jerry, the first question comes from Christmas of 1981. That's the year that George Burns hosted his first ever Christmas special. Here are three things about that special. One of them is the lie. Was it A, it was released 10 days before Thanksgiving, which was unheard of at the time. B, it was the first and only time that George Burns ever appeared on television without his trademark cigar. Or C, the show featured appearances from several Playboy playmates. Mm. Mm. I'm going to go a, with what, what's that, Jerry? No, I was just going to say I was a little too young for the to remember this one, uh, and I haven't caught it since. <laughs> <laughs> but now I kind of want to do it for my show. Um, <laughs> I think if I, yeah, those are both those are all very convincing <laughs> statements I, i'm leaning towards the being aired 10 days before thanksgiving i'm actually leaning towards the cigar and just to I remind think. you two and everyone listening you're saying that the airing 10 days before thanksgiving is the thing that is not true correct right that is okay. the lie uh-huh. yeah. i think it is that it is the only time he appeared without his trademark cigar all right. Well, you, you guys both sounded pretty confident in your answer. So is it time to lock these in? Yes. Yeah. All right. In. Then I am pleased to announce that for the first question of the first round of the first game of Two Truths and a Lie during the Burr months, we can award a single point 
to Jerry. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Already starting better than last time. <laughs> and as a matter of fact, the, um, the, the fact that it was released 10 days before uh, Thanksgiving was actually part of it. It was called George Burns' early, early, early Christmas special. Uh. <laughs> uh, and fun. did actually feature several appearances from Playboy Playmates. Um, I don't know if they were still called bunnies back then or, or what, but uh, that's, that's how it was um, marketed. All right. <laughs> Question number two. The 1981 uh, song Christmas Wrapping by The Waitresses is considered one of the best Christmas pop songs of all. So here are three things about that song. Spot the lie. A. The title is actually a nod to the 1979 rap song Christmas Wrapping by the rapper Curtis Blow. B. The band didn't want to write the song and ended up hastily throwing it together by assembling unused riffs. Or C, many shopping malls refuse to play the song because of its obvious anti-Christmas message. Oh, wow. That's I, yeah, <laughs> that's man. Long that's pause there. <laughs> I, um, I really don't know much about the song. So I, I've been on record saying that most of my uh, Christmas music experience is from the Time Life Treasury of Christmas. So this one was definitely not on there. I think... I think it's the the latter. I think it's the choice C. The the malls didn't want to play it. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna go with. Um, I'll go with the second one that the band did not want to write it. I, oh. I I believe that would be the lie. And shall we confirm these? Yes. Yes. All right. Then I am pleased to announce for the second question of the first round, et cetera, et cetera. I can award a point to Jerry. Oh, oh. mercy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, actually, no, the band just did want to write the song. It was the label pressured them to do it. Uh, the, one of the singers actually wrote the lyrics in the cab on the way over to the studio. And they just had some riffs left over from previous songwriting sessions that they just patched together and voila. Nice. Actually, and I, I knew that it actually was based on Christmas Rappin' by Curtis Blow. Yeah. That one I actually yeah. knew. I should have known better. It's actually one of my favorite Christmas songs. Oh, nice. At least, at least like top, I say favorite, at least top 15-ish, you know. It is a really good Christmas and a yeah. very, very, very 80s Christmas song. Yes, <laughs> yes it is. It just, it just <laughs> makes you happy. So that baseline just makes you happy. Okay. Question number three is sort of a Christmas question. It's more of a toy question. Um, the Rubik's Cube was actually invented in 1975, so I'm being a little sneaky here, but it wasn't the mass market product we all recognize today until 1980, and then it was the hottest selling toy for Christmas. So here are three things about it. A, Emmanuel Lewis's character was shown solving a cube on an episode of Webster, which triggered a lawsuit alleging the exposure of trade secrets. Was it B, the cube was originally developed as a teaching tool for architectural students, or C, ABC Television developed a Saturday morning cartoon called Rubik the Amazing Cube. A. A, yes. You both say A? It's yes. definitely A. All right. And you're both definitely correct. <laughs> so Todd is finally on the board. Finally. All right. And just to recap, we're three to one. I have yet to score a point. And to remind everyone how that would work, if I stump both Todd and Jerry, I would earn a point. I have yet to do so. Let's see if I can change my luck with question four. In 1982, there was a Christmas cartoon special called Santa Comes to Pac-Land, where Pac-Man has to save Christmas. Here are three things about that. Spot the lie. A, the character of Pac-Baby was voiced by Russie Taylor, who is best known as the voice of Minnie Mouse. B, 
In the special, the thing that Pac-Man actually does to save Christmas is that he feeds some of those Pac-Man power pellets to Santa's reindeer. Or C, none of the familiar Pac-Man sound effects can be heard in the special because using them would involve an extra licensing agreement. Oh man, I haven't seen this one in years. Uh, I don't remember how he actually saves Christmas. Yeah. Uh, oh man. Mike Westfall is going to be so mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. I, this one's, I, I honestly have yeah. no clue. So I'm just going to straight up guess here because the, again, all your, they all sound very convincing. Uh, <laughs> so I, I'm going to go with C. I think it's C. The licensing thing kind of threw me off. I was going to, I was going to go with C from the, from, from the get go. Cause it just sounded off to me. Okay, so you're both saying C? Yes. Yes, sir. And you're both correct. Yay! Yay! <laughs> right. So you have seen this special, Jerry. I have, but it's been years. Uh, and I planned on covering it at some point, but it's one of those that I don't remember it very fondly, and so I've been pushing it off <laughs> a long way. <laughs> I have to say, it's it's a little better than I expected it to be. I think the first time I saw it was just a few years ago. Oh, Okay. And I tend no, they, to like those those cheesy 80s. I, I remember a couple years ago, a bunch of us other Christmas podcasters got together to review the Glow Friends Save Christmas. Oh, and nice. Everyone hated it, but I, I actually like it in, in its own way, right? I think it just yeah, triggers right. those feelings from being in that time. Yeah, definitely. And there's something about the, uh, the coloring scheme as well that I, I find just charming. Right. Yeah. Uh, much and I think the style of animation. I mean, animation mm -hmm. nowadays, we're used to seeing it in a certain way, but the old... 2D hand-drawn kind of feel. Uh, I don't know. It just kind of brings me back. Yeah, same here. Speaking of bringing us back, we're going back to 1982 for question five. So Garfield, Garfield the cat, was so popular in the early 80s that the 1982 Sears Wish Book had a five-page spread of items entirely dedicated to Garfield, including which of these items, or including not which of these items, I should say. A, a book titled Garfield's Lasagna Recipes for Kids to Make. B, Garfield the Board Game. Or C, a plush Garfield dressed in jogging attire. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with the lasagna cookbook because it I sounds... I think so, too. I mean, Garfield... <laughs> well, you know what, though? Garfield is a... Uh, he didn't really like to do a whole lot. So the yeah. jogging attire is kind of suspicious, but... Yeah, but that sounds familiar to me for some reason. Uh, me, too. I, I can <laughs> picture it. I don't know if it's real, but it does... Yeah. It's like some sort of disconnect there. But yeah. I, I think it's actually the lasagna as well. Um, yeah. Okay, we're locking those in? I'm going... Yes. To, yes. Okay, well, I guess I am a bad liar so far in this game because you both earned a point. You spotted the lie. There was no Garfield lasagna cookbook. I wish there was. I, that sounds amazing, actually. <laughs> I was in the town where I live. There are a lot of those little free libraries, you know, those boxes people put in front of their house, like take a book, leave a book. Oh, and yeah. I actually found a comic strip version of the Garfield Christmas. So the TV special that came out, mm -hmm. there's a comic book version of it that I, I was just on a walk with uh, Baby Dash and found that, and now that's in my my little Christmas book collection. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. That's cool. Yeah. Okay, let's see. Now we're going to question six, so we're halfway through round one after this one. Yeah. And now we're going to talk about E.T. 
So E.T. was wildly popular at the box office, and E.T. toys and other merch were top sellers in Christmas of 1982. Of course, there was also an E.T. video game available that year for the Atari 2600 console, which I had, by the way, and we can talk about that. Spot the lie. Was it A, the game sold so poorly that Atari ended up dumping truckloads of unsold game cartridges into a landfill? Was it B, Game designer Howard Warshaw said in a 2008 interview that the game contained an Easter egg, meaning an unexpected feature, that nobody had discovered yet, at least as of 2008. Or was it C, there is a major flaw in the way the game was coded so that every time E.T. gets close to one of the many pits featured on the screen, he would fall into that pit? So I know know C is true. Okay. Uh, I don't remember if there was an undiscovered Easter egg, though. And... the the legend is that they dumped a whole bunch of games into yeah. a landfill, but I don't think uh, when they went in that documentary um, with what's his name uh, George R. R. Martin, I don't think they actually discovered a whole truckload. I think they found like maybe one game. So I don't know if that's an urban legend or if that's oh man. Yeah, I don't. I'm gonna go with B because I think I, I am too. Because I, I, I the the truckload thing when he said it, I remember that being said, and then uh, and he helped me out with that last one, Jerry. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nuts! I know, not much of a strategist over here, Jerry, but a good guy. <laughs> I, just trying to think out loud, and it's definitely uh, to my detriment. But I think it's actually B as well. You're about as good a strategist as I am a liar because you both got it right. You spotted the lie pretty quickly. You know what? That just means you're a very honest person. And that's, that's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So halfway through round one, let's see, we have uh, five points for Jerry and four for Todd. So pretty close game so far as we turn to question seven, which focuses on the Cabbage Patch Kids. And they were such a craze that reached its height in 1982 and, 90, and uh, 82 and 83. According to a 1983 article in Time Magazine, it describes these things. One, the Consumer Affairs Department of Nassau County in New York accused the parent company Coleco of, quote, harassing children by advertising dolls that weren't actually available. B, a woman suffered a broken leg when a group of Cabbage Patch Kid hopeful shoppers turned into a violent mob at a Zares store in Pennsylvania. Or C, a cargo plane coming from Hong Kong loaded with Cabbage Patch Kids survived an attempted hijacking. Oh, boy. Yeah. Maybe I'll try not to be so... uh, I'll go first. I'll I'll go first on this one, Jerry. (laughs) So I'm just going to sit back and and, uh, see what you think the whole time. But uh, the hijacking one seems really crazy, but it was the 1980s and planes got hijacked about every... One in three, I think, was the statistic I saw. <laughs> but um, I know I got in some legal trouble for stuff. I'm going to go with the hijacking is the lie. That's the one I'm going to go with. So I know that Coleco was accused of actually um, short shipping, like purposely short shipping um, Cabbage Patch Kids. Of course, they denied it. But I think industry insiders actually showed that they did i don't know if they were accused of anything else i think i'm i'm gonna i think i'm gonna go with a so you think uh you think the lie is that the consumer affairs department said they were harassing children yes okay we're locked in on our answers yes all right then i'm pleased now we you didn't both get the correct answer this time 
The one of you who did was Todd. Oh, nice. Yeah. There was no attempted hijacking. Um, but yeah, they, they actually did say they were harassing children. <laughs> and I think everyone knows the thing about the broken leg is true. The, the, yeah. the actual term for this was the Cabbage Patch Kid riots. Uh, this wasn't mm-hmm. the only incident. Those things broke out all over the place. Yeah. And then nowadays, that just sounds like a normal Good Friday sale at Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yep. <laughs> Yeah, that's why everybody uh, shops online now on Black Friday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, oh, question eight. We're going to go back to the world of music. Uh, the music industry in 1980 gave us several questionable novelty Christmas songs. And these were all singles, including which of these? A, Merry Christmas in the NFL, a song that imagined Howard Cosell as Santa Claus. B, Gag Me with a Candy Cane, a song featuring phrases inspired by the Valley Girl culture. Or C, what can you get a Wookiee for Christmas? A Star Wars themed Christmas song. I'm going to go with the <laughs> NFL one because it's kind of the the one that seem, feels like the outlier because of the, the the Frank Zappa song being so close to the, it seems like a parody that uh, someone would pull off. And then this, with the Star Wars holiday special and Star Wars being such a popular thing, I could see the, the Wookiee song being true. So I'm going to go with the Howard Cosell as the Santa Wookie Claus. Song- is definitely true. Uh, that's from an album where with Bon Jovi's first musical appearance. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so it's, uh, I'm going to go with B. I think it's Gag Me with the Candy Cane. Okay, are we locking them in? Yes. Lock them in. All right. And Jerry had a one point lead up until now, and now he has a two point lead. All right. Total score is <laughs> seven to five. There was no Gag Me with the Candy Cane. And that's- you're absolutely correct that uh, that. The full name of the song was What Can You Get a Wookiee for Christmas, parentheses, when he already has a comb, uh, from an album called Christmas in the Stars, a tribute mm-hmm. to Star Wars. Yeah. And yeah, there was a song on it called, I believe it's R2-D2, We Wish You a Merry Christmas, you, yep. <laughs> uh, where the vocals were by a young man who wasn't John Bon Jovi yet. He was going by his birth name, which isn't John Bon Jovi. Right. Uh, I think he was like a college kid at the time. You can. This is all on YouTube, by the way. I, I you can look it up if you like. I wouldn't recommend it. It's absolutely terrible. <laughs> it's an yeah, yeah. It's a interesting album, and I'm gonna. That's as polite as I can say it. <laughs> Those kinds of novelty albums were big in the '80s. Do you guys remember Pac-Man Fever? Yes, I do. Or, yeah, or Disco Duck. I think that was a Disco 70s Duck. Yeah, those kinds of records. It's in the same lineage, yeah. like um, yeah, Super Bowl Shuffle, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> So Merry Christmas in the NFL. I haven't heard it, but I, I can confirm it. It actually exists. And Howard Cosell just did not like it at all. I imagine that. <laughs> I just, uh, just like gag me with the candy cane. I could just hear that being on like Dr. Dom- Demento or something like that. You know? Yeah. <laughs> well, you're a bass player, Todd. You can write that yourself. Yeah, there we go. There you that's go. A, that's, a, that's what I'm going to do. Okay. <laughs> let's go to everyone's favorite Christmas movie from 1983, A Christmas Story. Mm. It's one of the most popular Christmas movies nowadays. Here are three things about it. Spot the lie. Was it A, the Red Ryder BB gun used in the movie is the actual gun owned by author Gene Shepard, the author of the autobiographical short story that the movie is based on. B, the studio would only finance the movie if director Bob Clark agreed to make a horror movie afterwards. Or C, Jack Nicholson was at one point considered for the role of Ralphie's father, but his fee was too high. I believe C is correct. Mm-hmm. And I think B is too. I think it's yeah. A. I don't think it yeah. was his actual Red Rider yeah. BB gun. That's what I'm going with. Okay, you both seem pretty confident. And that is because you're both correct. Uh, a was the lie. It was probably just a movie prop, but whatever. 
Um, <laughs> no, it's. I understand how you feel. That's how bad I lost, uh, or I was last time. So, <laughs> yes, and just to pain. just to recap, the only one who doesn't have any points on the board so far is yours truly. <laughs> Jerry has eight. Todd has. What do you have? Five. Yeah, five. Do you have five? I might have lost count. Well, I'm going to. I think he has six because yeah, okay. uh, yeah, I forgot. Too, yeah. it was behind. a two point. Okay, mm-hmm. glad I asked. Okay, so let's see. Question ten. Just a couple more left in this round, and we're going to talk about Ziggy. Remember Ziggy, the comic book oh, character? Such a great yeah. There was a 24 minute short feature called Ziggy's Gift, which came out in 1982. Here are three things about it. A. Ziggy doesn't speak at all in the special, even though he does speak in the comic strip. B. The other characters have voices, including the voice of Ziggy's dog, which was provided by Paul Hogan, who just five years later would star in Crocodile Dundee. Or C, the special one in Emmy. Huh. I think it's mm. A, because while he doesn't actually speak when they're singing or pretending to carol so that, that the, the cop doesn't break them up, um, you can actually hear his voice. It's, it's very soft, but it's actually there. So I'm going to go with A. Yeah, that's the one I'm going to go with, too. It's been a while since I've seen it, but I thought there was a little bit of that in there. Okay, I think we might have a problem on our hands. Uh, and here's why, because that one, as far as I know, was true. And I got that from the IMDb. But uh, if you guys have firsthand experience saying you can hear it, I think for the first time ever, we might have to award half points. Oh and no, we broke the system. Every, and <laughs> the false one that I just made up out of thin air was um, the voice of Ziggy's dog being done by Paul Hogan. So I'm going to award everybody a half point. Yes. This makes no sense, but it does. It sort of does. <laughs> so Jerry has half a point, including myself, by the way. Yes, yeah, you should. Yep. Sort yep. of. All right. That just made things very interesting. Well, that, yeah, well that's fine because doing some research on mine, I found conflicting information on different things so i just kind of went with what like like the plurality mm-hmm. you know so. <laughs> it's gonna be interesting <laughs> yeah. the lowest common denominator <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> okay question 11 here are some other questionable cartoon specials from the early 1980s which of these is not an actual cartoon special number a or a a 1980 special in um called a snow white christmas in which the character of Snow White has a daughter who is also named Snow White. Is it B, in 1981, the special BC, a special Christmas, one that was based on the cavemen characters from the popular comic strip, or was it 1983's Christmas Comes to Wee High, an animated special based on the teen sitcom Square Pegs? Oof. I'm going okay. to roll with Snow White. I know there was a Snow White Christmas, but I don't know if her daughter's name is Snow White. There definitely was a BC (laughs) Christmas. Yeah, I know the BC Uh, one. Oh, man. The last one. Gosh. Okay. I I think I'm going to go with C. Um, You think C is the thick one? Yeah, the the, um, square pegs one. Okay, Todd, are you you locking in your answer? Yeah, I'm going with uh, Snow White. Okay, so then I can give a point to Jerry. Jerry. You spotted the fake one. Uh, so that Snow White Christmas was not a Disney special, by the way. It was just uh, you know, some other studio put it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think we kind of need to talk about that BC special Christmas because uh, apparently that thing, you know, 
went through several meetings with network executives and <laughs> got made and aired, uh, even though the, the very concept of it made no sense. I think um, it was more like they were coming up, a couple of the characters were trying to devise a legend about giving or something like that. And they, what they came up with was Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> it is funny because it's BC. So yeah, you know, exactly. Right. Christmas. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but hey, I mean, I haven't seen it. I, I remember, uh, I, I have vague recollections of, of reading the, you know, seeing in, in like TV guides or something, but I, I've never actually seen the special. I just know that it exists. Yeah. There was luckily actually... for me was uh, all I needed for this question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm with you, Jerry. I, I, I've never seen it. I kind of remember it, but I do remember like BC being like the second or third comic I would read on, Sundays when the newspaper yeah. would come. Yeah. Yeah. It was definitely one of my favorites. Yeah. Remember on, on Sundays it would be in color, you know, and that yeah. was then we yeah. put silly yes. putty on the, uh, the newspaper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You get, you get the whole comics section, you know, it was four, mm-hmm. five, yeah. six pages worth Drabble of color. Drabble and Hagar the Horrible. And mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Rose's Rose and Family yes. Circus, all those guys. Oh, yeah. So good. Yeah. So good. Kids, um, there used to be papers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So I actually, there was a uh, BC video game, believe it or not, for the Commodore 64 computer. Like, this is how old I am. Uh, It it came on a floppy disk. And the Commodore 64 was the kind of, you know, you plugged into your TV, right? The computer was sort of like the keyboard. Right. And you would attach it to the back of the television. And then we had a floppy disk drive. And I forget what the game was, but one of the characters rode on a wheel, kind of like a unicycle. It was a wheel with like an axle, like a stone wheel. And oh, you yeah. stand on either end of the protruding <laughs> axle and just ride it around. And I think, you know, it's like you have to jump over things and collect points or something like that. That's so cool. Sounds great. <laughs> that does sound amazing. <laughs> it was pretty good. I miss little games. I mean, nowadays, uh, all the games are, you know, like ridiculously complex and open world stuff. But I like those side scrollers. They're yeah. just so much fun. And I wonder so, if that was, would be on the uh, Internet Archive, like in the Wayback Machine. You know, all those be. old games. Yeah, I'm going to look that up after. Yeah, it could be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had some good, like the old like um, Oregon Trail. and Oh, man. Um, yeah. what, there was another one we played all the time, like all the Donkey Kong. Oh, there was a, a Ghostbusters one where at the yes, end you was. had to defeat the Marshmallow Man. Mm-hmm. I remember that one. I want to say Kroll had one, but I don't remember if that was for Commodore or for Atari. Mm. Yeah. I had the Raiders of the Lost Ark for the Atari and I played that all the time. Nice. Oh, there was one that was similar to that. It's called like Chisholm Trail or something like that. Like C-H-I-S-O-L-M. Um, and the character looked very much like in Indiana Jones and had to do all kinds of you know somersaults and mm-hmm. escaping rocks right. and stuff like I, that. I remember that one. That one was super cool. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we're gonna bring round one to an end with question 12. It involves the 1983 slasher movie Bloodbeat, which I know is a favorite of both of yours, oh, yeah. in which mm-hmm. a young couple attends a family Christmas gathering in a farmhouse in rural Wisconsin when a ghost wearing samurai armor begins killing members of the family. I promise you, this is a real movie and it is available for streaming on Amazon Prime. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'll be doing that once we get off. I, I was thinking that too. It was like, well, I have a day off on Friday. It's going to be great. <laughs> now, the movie, as you shocker of shockers, didn't get excellent reviews. I'm going to read to you three reviews, one of which is false, spot the lie. Was it A, one reviewer called it, quote, essentially an 86-minute non sequitur. Was it B, viewers will find themselves wishing they could rewind to get back the lost minutes of their lives spent watching? 
Or was it C, like a nice fluffy blanket on a chilly winter night, the film lulled me into its grasp with every illogical turn? I could totally see, uh, <laughs> I could see a horror fanatic uh, actually yeah. writing that. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. This is, uh, I have, yeah, okay, this is just a complete guess here. Like, like zero logic, nothing, just, um, I'm going to go with um, B. <laughs> oh, I'm rolling with A. I'm rolling with A, and that's a. just a complete guess. Okay, so we're locking in with those, and we're closing out round one by awarding one more point to Jerry. Whoa! All right. <laughs> oh, man. So I think this is like the most points I've ever had. <laughs> it, it, it just may be. So what do we have? Five, six, seven, eight. Um, nine and a half points for Jerry to end round one. Todd has six and a half points. And Brian has one half of one point. So in my round is trying to stump both of you. I didn't do an excellent job, but now I get a chance to redeem myself in the upcoming two rounds. So how did you do? Better than you expected, I'll bet. Now, of course, in this round, you'd expect my point tally to be low. The only way for me to earn a point was to fool Todd and Jerry. So do I start racking up the points in the next round? Well, to find out, I'm going to put you in the very capable hands of my friend Todd Killian over a Christmas clatter. Check the show notes for a link or just look up Christmas Clatter wherever and however you get your podcasts. Hey, before I go, I want to let you know that it's never too early to send a Christmas memory to appear on the show this season. In fact, the earlier the better. Even if you've sent one in the past, I'd love to include another. Just record a voice memo on your phone and send it to christmaspastpodcast at gmail.com. Keep it reasonably short, clean and family friendly, and be sure to say your name and where you're from. I'll be back again soon. Until then, let me remind you that Christmas Past is produced in wonderful Willow Glen, California, by yours truly, Brian Earle. One of the things I love to do to get into the Christmas spirit is to send Christmas cards, and I'd love to send one to you. If you review the podcast on Apple Podcasts, I'll send you a handwritten Christmas card and an official Christmas Past sticker as my way of saying thanks. Email for details on that. Again, it's christmaspastpodcast at gmail.com. You can also use that email address to just write and say hi. I love hearing from you, and I try to respond to every message I get. If you're not an email person, well, you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And please do join the private Christmas Past Facebook group if you haven't yet, so that we can keep celebrating all season long. Until we meet again, may your days be merry and bright. <laughs>